and welcome to episode number 73 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson and Fairway Jay, where we run down all of the big news, all the big bets, all the big happenings in all of the gambling industry. Sports betting, DFS, a little bit of poker, whatever it might be, we will cover it here on the podcast. We are on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, so be sure and go and subscribe over there. You can follow us on the Twitter machine at the Lions US at PlayPix US. Let's kick things off here, Brett, with some NBA news. Of course, the NBA right around the corner. It is crazy to think we are only two weeks away from this being a reality. There is going to be real NBA games on television. We got the preseason going on right now. And in one of those preseason games, something happened for the very first time for one of the NBA favorites. Yeah, guys, Ben Simmons made a three-pointer. That is the that is the news of the preseason so far that an NBA player made a three pointer. And the the great thing about this is Sixers fans saw this and started betting on the 76ers to win the NBA title. According to points bet uh, following <laughs> that game where Simmons made his three pointer, uh, they got a flurry of action on Ben Simmons to win MVP and the Sixers to win uh, the championship. So all of a sudden at points bet in New Jersey, Ben Simmons, they have the most liability on Ben Simmons to an MVP. I think his, his odds shortened from like hundred to one to 80 to one. I know he's down to 50 to one at DraftKings, So they probably got a flurry of action on Simmons to win NBA and be MVP over there as well. But uh, Mr. Mr. Simmons, an LSU guy, Matt, is, is the story of the preseason he so He is. Far. He is. A former LSU Tiger could not shoot at LSU either and goes to the pros. I mean, just a dynamic player in every other phase of the game. But, yeah, his uh, long-distance jumper has been absolutely atrocious. And I'll tell you, there was word in the offseason that he was working constantly on that. And listen, uh, the other another person that's making news because of his shot is Lonzo Ball. If you guys watched some of the Pelicans preseason games as well, he changed that funky shooting style of his. He actually has a more traditional delivery on his shot now and was banging down some threes of his own in the preseason over there. So at least good to see these guys went and put in some work and trying to get better along the way. Jay, as we look at these odds, Giannis comes in as the you know overwhelming favorite for MVP, rightfully so, plus 260 over at DraftKings. Then we're kind of looking at Steph Curry, Anthony Davis, Nikola Jokic, and, and on down the line here. Do any of these other names, I mean, I completely understand why Giannis is the favorite. I actually probably would say right now, if I were picking an MVP, it would also be Giannis. But we're not going to put we're not going to lock our money up for six months on a plus 260. So do any of these other guys kind of uh, pique any of your interest? Well, I, I was trying to do a quick research and recap what Giannis was before last season, what his odds were, because he was certainly longer than uh, these the, the the usual crew here of Curry and and the favorites that we see. But when I look at the board, if I'm going to play an NBA regular season, it's going to be on a player, um, not not where you have like Davis and LeBron sharing the st- star spotlight on the Lakers. I think they can cancel each other out. And the voters, you got to remember, I think they can be a little fickle on how they look at uh, voting in in who they ultimately come from because last year you saw um, Harden have just a tremendous year scoring 36 points a game and he didn't get the MVP but it was a player that came up and really carried his team like Giannis so as I look down the board a little bit I'm you know I'm intrigued by like a Donovan Mitchell on Utah who I think now have um, even more pieces in place to not only be strong defensively but have a guy like Mitchell be able to carry that type of team and he's at least 50 to 1 I know DraftKings got him 50 and I think he can get him longer elsewhere. So, Brett, when you take a look at this, I mean, we have Curry at 550, Harden at 700, LeBron at 700, Kawhi at 700, and Anthony Davis at 800. So, I mean, I'm not really, again, even at 8 to 1, right? I'm not really looking to lock up my money at 8 to 1 for six months here. So, you're going to have to find me kind of double digit type guys and maybe something a little bit longer here for me to at least have a sweat through over the course of the season. I just don't want money locked up for something like that. So, as you take a look at some of these other names, is there anything that maybe piques your interest a little bit for some of these longer shots? I like Jokic at plus 1,400. I'm looking at this list here. There's a lot of players who have another top 
MVP candidate on the same team. So those votes are going to cancel each other out. There's nobody on the Nuggets who's going to win other than Jokic. He's their guy. And he plays for one of the better teams in the NBA. The Nuggets have a legit shot at making a run this year, I think, with it being more wide open. So uh, Jokic at plus 1,400. Apparently, I'm not alone. It looks like 10% of, of the bets at DraftKings are coming in on Jokic to win MVP. So uh, that would be my play. I think I think you're right. Giannis is the clear favorite. I think even at plus 260, uh, that doesn't even look that terrible to me because I don't I don't see Harden I don't see Harden being in the running this year, and his his, his odds have, have dropped a bit because of you know Westbrook coming in and probably splitting votes. Um, but that, that's all I really see is is Nikola Jokic. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's two, if you want to just take dart throws here. For me, I think the two dart throws would be Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic. I mean, if you look at these guys, I mean, they're we know what their upside is, and we understand that they're... Uh, you know, uh, absolutely dynamic and players that can take over an entire game. Can they do it over the course of an entire season? That is something that we will have to find out right here. At plus 260 for Giannis, I guess my only problem is, you know, look, the juice really, to me, the juice isn't worth the squeeze because all you need is this guy to like, you know, miss three weeks of the season due to injury. And then your, your, you know, your money's lit up and you weren't even getting anything really in return anyway. So, um, yeah, for me, just not even a, not even close to a play here but what are your what are your thoughts on Kyrie or Luca uh Luca I I guess I can't, I don't think the Mavericks are, are quite there yet I don't see them being no in, I guess in, I, I'm more looking at 70 to 1 though right like I was kind of like looking yeah. if, if you want to take a dart throw on someone that you know again we try to we try to paint a picture of how this could possibly play out and if they were I mean you know again like we're we have to just try try and get lucky in all of this. So, I mean, this is, you know, you, you have to get lucky in some of these things. But, I mean, you know, if the Mavs in this Western Conference, which isn't just completely locked down yet, we don't we don't know for sure that the Clippers and Lakers are going to work. Like, we don't know that 100%. Uh, you know, say the Mavs are able to, uh, you know, get up into, like I say, a three seed or something like that. And he would have to be the reason that that would, would get done, you know? Of course, yeah. Um yeah, I can see that. Uh, Irving, kind of in the same situation, right? If the Nets are in it, and the, yeah, you know, they I mean, it's top just because the Eastern it's sucks be... so much. It's just like the Eastern Conference sucks so bad that it's like if it's not Giannis, then like who's doing it in the Eastern Conference, right? I mean, that's basically yeah. what it comes down to. And going and going back to Simmons, I I don't hate him as a long shot. I'm a narratives guy with these MVP MVP voting, and and if Simmons is suddenly a threat to hit jump shots, I think he's in play. If they're like a one seed and all of a sudden this guy is a well-rounded offensive player. I mean, if he, if he, even if he could prove he can hit like a third of his three pointers, that's enough for to where he's going to have like triple doubles, like once a week, like yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, like he's going to have triple doubles once a week. It changes the way defenses like have to adjust to this entire team. Uh, so, I mean, I think Simmons is pretty interesting. Is is he going to win MVP? Probably, you know, obviously not, not likely. But uh, hopefully, you got in on the Simmons train before he started making three pointers. Oh, for seventeen, this guy in his career. But <laughs> nice to see him actually knock one down in the preseason. Which which lets you know just how much confidence he did not have in himself because you're saying he only he's only shot seventeen of them. You know, in his I mean, career. now now he's saying that he's just going to let it let it rip if he has an open look. I mean, that's that's great. I want to see it consistently. Uh, his delivery still looks pretty bad. It's it's an embarrassment to, to jump shots everywhere. I mean, it's it, it, you know, Lon, you said Lonzo fixed his delivery. I, I don't see much difference in what Simmons has, but um, we'll see. Jay, looking at how the NBA title futures are playing out here over at DraftKings, they provided us with some information here. No surprise, most likely. I mean, L.A. Lakers are getting the majority of the handle there. Twenty six percent of the handle that they have gotten has come in on the LA Lakers to take it down right behind the 76ers here and again you know one talented two Eastern Conference with not a lot of uh, resistance over there and then also three there is definitely some regional stuff going on there as well the next uh, few are kind of interesting here after the after the Sixers, we have two that are coming in at eight percent of the handle. Warriors makes a little bit of sense. Obviously, you know this is still a, still a team that we expect to be good. They're just not going to be great again. But the Brooklyn Nets coming in with eight percent 
of the handle so far. This is certainly something we can chalk up to regional bias here. No question. And and you're going to see a lot of that support for the, those teams and, and certainly some of the bigger trades. When you see Davis go to the Lakers, that's driving along with LeBron fueling some of the Lakers interest, which is clearly uh, we saw this even lower before. It's just a it's a huge reaction to what's happening in the in the marketplace to to the players that are on the move. But, um, you know, I think you need to look at the season win totals, have a good grasp on the teams and the, and the players. And obviously hope you're you're if you're betting these that you don't have some key players go down with injury. But I'm back to looking at a team that's still, I think, under under the radar from a defensive perspective. And that's the Utah Jazz. Their season win total is solid at 54. And um if I were, again, looking down the board a little bit and not going at any of favorites on the odds, I'd, I'd be looking at a team like that to maybe put a, put a potential future play on and then uh, know that they're expected to be a solid team with a season win total that's right up there in the mid-50s and um, have the defensive components. And now I think a player, player two that can add to their offensive uh, balance and make them more competitive and a top top tier in a, in a, in a Western division. That's clearly one of the, clearly the best conference, but um, you're going to look down the board a little bit to find a team like the jazz. that has a little better opportunity. I think definitely now, Brett, if you're looking at kind of dart throws here, I think the smart strategy, and again, we're talking about dart throws. If you just want to hold, if you want to be holding a lottery ticket for at least some sort of sweat as this season goes on, I think if you're going to go the lottery ticket route, you just have to pick one of the Eastern Conference teams because the path to getting there is just so incredibly easier than it is in the Western side to where, you know, look, we've seen weird things happen in seven game series before. So if you can just get your team to the finals, weird things can happen. We saw, you know, listen. Uh, you get to the, you get to the finals and then weird injuries happen like they did with the uh, with the Warriors this past year to where the team that, you know, got there throughout the course of the year isn't even the team that's actually playing in the finals. And so, you know, if you're going to do that, you know, Pacers at 18 to one heat at 27 to one, even the Orlando Magic, which didn't really do a ton in the offseason, but at least kept that core of that team there. And they've basically been playing together now for a little while. There should be uh, if you would think that there would at least be a couple of steps forward with that team just because of uh, everybody being together for so long. They're at 42 to one. I'd rather be holding one of these dart throws over in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. How about the Miami Heat? I kind of like the Heat this year. They finally got rid of Whiteside, get Bam out of Bayo some run. They got some nice veterans on this team here. Now, Dragic is obviously going to be back. They added Jimmy Butler. They got some nice young guys here, too. They added Tyler Harrow. Uh, they brought Myers, Myers Leonard, Leonard over. So, uh, that would be that would be my uh, little dart throw in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I agree. I mean, twenty-seven to one. I think that's a good ticket to be holding because if it's not, you know, if it's if it's not the Bucks and Sixers that are dominating, then I think it is completely, completely wide open. I mean, just absolutely wide open over there in the Eastern Conference. And weird things can certainly happen in a seven-game series. And speaking of weird things happening. That is basically how we can describe what went on in the Major League Baseball playoffs. If you guys did not catch how this all went down, I feel sorry for you. It was absolutely nuts. I was sweating the Nationals and Dodgers game. I have a futures on the Nationals. I had the Nationals in that game. I had a National Series ticket, so there was a lot on the line for me. Um, looked like it was almost all but dead for that Nationals team. And then Clayton Kershaw, they bring him back out in the eighth inning after he comes in to get Adam Eaton in the seventh inning, lefty versus lefty matchup, and gets him. They bring Kershaw back out as opposed to going to one of their guys out of the bullpen that's used to kind of pitching in these situations. Kershaw gives up back-to-back solo home runs. The Nats tie it and then go ahead and win in 10 innings here. Brett, did you stay up for the game? Did you have any uh, did you have any inkling on Nationals or Dodgers or anything like that? I fell asleep in the ninth inning. <laughs> how how embarrassing is that? I'm so old man. Like I can't even stay up to watch this playoff game in extra innings. I missed the grand slam. It's it's disappointing. But I did get to see the Rendon Homer, which was unbelievable, by the way. Like, how did he golf that pitch out of its out of the park? That's what started it all. Yeah, and and here's the thing is everyone, it's the easy thing and the low-hanging fruit to come in and say, 
oh, uh, you know, playoff Kershaw, look at this, look at that. You know, sometimes the hitter just wins. And Rendon is an MD- MVP candidate. And this guy took a pitch, literally a good pitch, that would have bounced off the damn plate, it seems like, had he not hit it out of the park. And he hit it out of the park. I mean, like Kershaw, I mean, y- y- you can't blame stuff like that on Kershaw. Everyone just wants to pile on here. Jay, did you have any action on the game, on the series? Do you have any futures that you're sitting on here for the rest of the baseball season? Didn't play it, and yet I turned. I actually watched the latter part of the game after the two homers were given up. So I, I, I saw it at three three, and then I saw the the highlights of the home runs, and then watched uh, watched the latter innings and the Kendrick Grand Slam to win it. But in the remember in the bottom of the ninth when it was tied, the Dodgers almost got the got the walk off win, uh, deep deep fly ball by their rookie uh, that went to the wall, and otherwise the Dodgers be celebrating. But that's. Uh, I thought the the Nationals had value in the series, despite what everyone you know. You hear the announcers now talking about what a major upset it was from uh, a series standpoint, and the Dodgers going out with 106 wins. But now we have tonight a potential of that happening again with the Astros, who have a you know another real strong pitcher on the mound. But I didn't have any action on the Nationals or that series. I was intrigued by the Nationals going into the playoffs because of their starting pitching, but still had concerns about their bullpen. And yet here it is, their bullpen holds up better than the Dodgers. Last night, we and, talked about the Nationals having value before the season with all the the hype around Bryce Harper and you know the Braves' resurgence. They were a pretty interesting team as, as a value play coming in. So I mean, that, that's a team we were looking at way before any of this happened. Yeah, I was feeling pretty good. I have. Um I've got a, a World Series ticket on them. I didn't get it. I, I got it like relatively uh, not long ago. I got it about a month ago. So it's not it's not a huge payout or anything like that. I did have them in the series here against the Dodgers, and I did have them last night. And that was strictly just a price play here because of the short five-game series and being able to go to the arms that they're able to go to as as starters it just seemed like it got kind of got mispriced to me i ended up getting the game last night i got strasburg at you know plus 165 in that game and you know yeah he didn't look sharp to begin but he settled down and was able to keep them in the game and eventually of course was able to go on and win this thing but brett the the odds were just bouncing and ping-ponging all over the place uh, throughout the course of the night in this thing yeah, uh, DraftKings was kind enough to send us over some of the the live betting uh, numbers after each of the 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 important events throughout the game. And yeah, they were bouncing all over. I mean, plus seven hundred after the Max Muncie home run in the first inning, then plus thirteen hundred the Nationals were after the Kike home run in the second inning, and then you know in the sixth they make it three one is down to three thirty, and then back up to plus twelve hundred after you know Kershaw comes into the game and then he he gives up the home runs and all of a sudden it's like almost even money. Uh, it was, it was a, a lot of fun. And if, if you're just sitting at home, even if you don't live in a state right now where you can legally bet on these games, just watch how the live odds move throughout a game. It's pretty fascinating how, how quickly things can change just in baseball with one, even just one pitch, everything can just, can just change like that. And uh, it, it's a pretty, it's a pretty fascinating sport to live bet. It really, it really is. It was fun. I was, uh, I was on the air last night over at Vison and we were we were kind of thinking we were in for a very dull ending to this game and then we're able to really sweat out how things all played out and felt pretty good about how the uh felt pretty good about how the the ending obviously for me and there were a couple other guys in the studio that had some nationals tickets as well but man it is it is one of those things never over till it's over and uh, except for the Dodgers fans that I don't know if you uh, Brett you fell asleep and Jay you probably did see this the second the ball clears the wall the Howie Kendrick grand slam Brett all these guys that paid who knows infinite amount of money for this game 5 ticket there they were just funneling <laughs> to the exits they didn't even hang yeah. around to watch their team hit in the 10th <laughs> inning it was straight up just like a steady stream of people jetting out of there by the time the 10th inning came around you could have sat right behind home plate like it was it was that's how many seats were, well, were empty they probably they probably looked at the live odds which were <laughs> minus minus 10,000 for the nationals after that grand slam uh yeah they 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 were pretty much drawn dead after that yeah, so it was crazy. I, I did see that uh, i actually kind of 
kind of uh, I got some enjoyment out of that. You know, I'm going to go off the rundown here just a little bit before we hit the NFL, because there actually is some 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 big games in college football this week. We don't talk a ton of college football on the pod, but when you know you got a number six versus number eleven, you got a number six seven versus number five. This is probably some stuff to talk about here. I mean, the big marquee game of the week here is Florida heading down to Baton Rouge to play LSU in this one. LSU going off as thirteen and a half point favorites in this one, Jay. Want to get your thoughts here before I kind of come in? I obviously have some pretty strong takes on this thing, but uh, LSU has looked great for sure. But outside of the Texas game, their schedule has been Charmin soft. Yeah, and that's again strength of schedule. We we see it um, throughout the season early on. Teams playing non-conference and not getting tested as much, and we saw Clemson. Um, go to North Carolina and on the road in a conference game, laying big prices. And this is clearly an LSU team that's on the rise and with, with Burrow really moving up the Heisman ranks, but having a tremendous season, they're going to get the support yet. You're going to pay a premium and a price. That being said, they are, um, I've read an article about defensive dominators, and both these teams are showing real solid, not top tier defense, but solid enough. And, and uh, that makes any time you have a defense that can, at least slow an opponent some, somewhat. They have to be attractive at this price point. I'm not involved in the game. I'm not playing it. I, I, I kept looking at Florida and wondering if they're going to still be able to maybe get on the board enough here against LSU in this environment. But um, it's something to watch. You're going to see inflated prices on these top teams. And I wrote an article as well about strong, balanced offenses and teams that really move the ball well. LSU is a little more one-dimensional. They're passing it tremendously, but they're also leading the country and scoring at 52 points a game. And that's what's going to have a lot of the attraction on betting these top teams and laying this price. But um, I'm not so certain this week with a, a good defense in Florida. Yeah, Brett, I, I got to admit, if this were to – if there's some more support for LSU between now and kickoff and this thing actually hits 14 – you might see me go ahead and place the emotional hedge bet against my uh, against my Tigers here. I think that two touchdowns is just a little bit too much in this game. I mean, yeah, it is a night game in Baton Rouge in Tiger Stadium, which is going to be absolutely bonkers. There's going to be dudes that have been drinking for 10 hours by the time this game kicks off, and it's going to be nutso. But... Um, you know, two touchdowns against this Florida defense here where LSU has certainly been able to move the ball, but you got to look at some of these opponents that they've had so far. I, I think it's a little too high here. And if it were to get to 14, you might get, I don't know, maybe like a half unit bet from me here on on Florida. How do you see this one playing out? Well, this is interesting because Jay mentioned the, the the lines on the top tier teams being inflated. Is the drop off really that much between LSU and Florida? Is it like the top six here in, in college football, and then the rest? I, you know, LSU is number six behind Oklahoma, Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, and then there's Florida at number seven. Why is this line thirteen? Is it really that much difference? Yeah, I know. And and and, and look, I understand it's a true freshman quarterback and I get all of that sure. but I mean you know look they they shut down Auburn basically last week I mean Bo Nix was not able to get anything done whatsoever is Joe Burrow definitely markedly better than Bo Nix of course he is yes but uh, I mean it, it was it was pretty pretty dominant in the way that in the way that they handled that game last week I'm actually pretty interested this total has is at 56 and I understand this is too you know I understand this is a high scoring offense in LSU but again when you look at 52 points a game you're talking about Northwestern State you're talking about Utah State you're talking about Georgia Southern I mean you're talking about these games where they were putting up 60 points against teams that the three of us could go out there and have some success against and so I don't know man 56 Jay did the total look does it seem at all off to you I mean I think it's Man, I think a 20, I think a 24-21 game, 24-17 game is is very much in the realm of outcomes in this thing. Yeah, again, when you're looking at a team that's scoring as much as LSU and remember they're they're 4-0 against the spread against FBS teams. The only team they didn't cover was Northwestern State which um, they still, you know, scored at will and moved their offense moved the ball. But I look at a team a game last week where you had Ohio State at home against a really good Michigan State defense, 
that may be a little overrated defensively, but their statistical profile is very good. And Ohio State still moved the ball and still put up, you know, 500. They, they, they push towards 500 yards and they can have that type of success. LSU is not quite as balanced as Ohio State. They throw it a lot more. But Florida showed against Auburn that they, in the trenches especially, that they can slow a team that's really, Auburn's tremendous on, uh, on the defensive line. And Florida still showed that they can have some success at least moving the ball. So I think the total is a little high. You're going to pay a little bit on uh, on the markup because LSU is scoring so much. But um, I'm still, right now, until I evaluate just a little bit more, I, I won't have a play on this game. And I, I you know, maybe this is one where you look at in game and see and and visually see what's happening and see is Florida able to slow it somewhat and then even with maybe an adjustment down in the total if there's not much scoring you can still take advantage. Another ranked versus ranked game Alabama is going to hit the road and go over to College Station take on Texas A&M Alabama laying 17 points here on an in an SEC game on the road against a ranked team. Brett I talked to Matt Lindeman from over at Circus Sports last night and he said they're not really getting any action whatsoever on this game because he I asked him if it was just Alabama fatigue and he said yeah you know listen week in week out you have to lay these massive numbers with this Alabama team and just people are tired of sweating you know whether there's going to be these weird backdoor covers and stuff because Alabama's you know taking their foot off the gas and stuff and so I mean this is basically where this game opened it basically hasn't moved at all and it's just a ranked versus ranked SEC game that nobody cares about. Yeah, that is that is interesting. I, I maybe because there are you know some other marquee games on the slate this week. That's kind of taking attention away from that one. But I, I you know that the the theory there makes sense that people are just tired of having to lay these massive spreads with Alabama, and you know you don't know what's going to happen in, in the second half, late in the fourth quarter, that kind of thing. So uh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting to me. J- Jay, have you have you? taken any of these you know massive numbers in college football with some of these top teams so far this season of course it's just huge numbers every time Alabama takes the field I mean Georgia's got a, a an SEC matchup again this week and they're you know they're laying 23 and a half 24 you've got uh, Clemson that's taken on a an ACC team in Florida State that is shocking to me that you are approaching four touchdowns from a Florida I mean a Florida State team that school is still located in Florida which has the most one of the top three most recruit fertile recruiting grounds in the entire country and they are four touchdown dogs to Clemson in this game I mean are, are you are you playing any of these games so far this year or are these just kind of sit back and watch and you're you're kind of just more evaluating for later in the season maybe once the playoffs roll around Unfortunately, I beat my head a few too many times taking the big points in these games only to see um, Ohio State keep rolling and running it up and um I want to see it maybe a little bit more deeper in the season where you're still going to have some stronger teams that can stack up. You know, A&M did not look good and did not play well against Auburn at home, and they were favored. And so I'm concerned with the quarterback going on the road at Alabama, um, how they're going to, you know, how they're going to hold up and whether they're going to be able to score. Alabama clearly is uh, a juggernaut offensively right now. Again, pass heavy, not not as balanced, but pass heavy. I don't think their defense – is it quite what it's been in seasons past? But I don't, I don't see a And M scoring much. So if I'm playing that game, I still would probably look at a, a favorite. And yet I've been betting these underdogs and really struggling. <laughs> I'm going to try to find better spots in in these games. Remember this about Clemson and Florida State. Last year, I remember I, I played Florida State and they just got rolled by Clemson <laughs> in this game. And I was taken, I think, 14, thinking how can Florida State be ga- taking 14 at home in in this game? And they absolutely got annihilated. And so Clemson, you know, do do. Do, does Florida State have the talent maybe to at least keep it marginally within range? Yes, but uh, Clemson still is is that good, and uh, they're despite not getting it done at, at uh, North Carolina and and escaping with a win, they're 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 that much better right now than Florida State, even with all that talent that seemingly they can get in in the state. Brett, the only the only other game I do think that there will be some pretty good action on this week, Oklahoma taking on Texas, the Red River shootout, Red River rivalry now. They don't want you to say shootout, but uh, these two teams going at it here, a total of about 75 and a half in this game. Of course, we know the we know the reputation of the Big 12. It is they go and play a bunch of offense and don't play any defense here. 
How are you looking at this one, or is this just to sit back and enjoy, you know, what we assume to be a ton of touchdowns? Yeah, I'm hoping we get what we got last year with that 48 to 40, uh, 45 game when Marquise Brown and uh, and Kyler just stormed back late in that game. That was one of the games of the year. Uh, I, I I wouldn't touch this one. I, I think probably if I had to, I would I would just take the points with Texas. Um, but yeah, this is one of those games where you just kind of sit back and hope uh, hope to see some fireworks. Jay, do you, uh, you you have any thoughts on Oklahoma Texas here, or is this a is this a stay away as well? Haven't played yet, and if I do play, I'm going to probably beat my head once more and take the points. Herman's, Her, Herman's been Her, Herman's been tremendous, not only an underdog role, but I still want to see what the team can stack up. And here's what here's what I'm here's what I struggle with, and why I maybe had some problems with betting against an Ohio State and Oklahoma. I write an article every year at this time, and I just posted it about uh, strong, balanced offenses. Not only is Oklahoma leading the country in yards per game at 622 per game, but they do it with balance. They run for about better than 280 yards per game, and they pass for over 330 yards per game. And yards per pass with uh, Hertz is uh, elite status. It's over 12 yards per pass attempt. So you, you, if you're going to you know, take the points, you got to definitely feel that is is texas going to be able to match up offensively because oklahoma is still going to score even against some really good defenses they're just balanced enough their strength on offense to do it so as i'm looking at the underdog and and clearly texas has the quarterback play and maybe can hold on to the ball enough to keep uh oklahoma off the field a little bit that's what i'm hoping if i'm playing texas and, I, and it, you can't underestimate the rivalry and you know, Google search and read all about this. This is a tremendous game, and Texas has pulled the upset here in recent seasons. And in this game, um, if I play it, it's going to be on the underdog, and I just got a little more to, to research. And hope, you know, I'll risk. I guess if I can't get eleven, I think anything double digits is going to be a play for for Texas. Yeah, I, I don't um, I don't play into the motivation narratives in the NFL all that much. I mean, these dudes are making millions of dollars. They're you know, you're trying to win a Super Bowl or whatever. The, the motivation is uh, is there, right? I mean, for these guys, and and if the money doesn't do it, then it's just not. What else is going to get you up for for playing football for a living for seven figures or eight figures? for some of these guys but I actually do kind of buy into the motivation narrative of a bunch of 18 19 and 20 year old kids and like you said they know what this rivalry means they know what the his- they know the history behind this they know what's going on to think that these two teams won't be completely jacked up is, is I think is being a little foolish here the average totals that in games that these teams have played so far this year 68 points in Texas games and 72 points in Oklahoma games. As if you're wondering why this total is set so incredibly high here, Brett, I'm like you, I don't have a play yet on this one. I would probably take the points with Texas here, but I'm weirdly leaning. I like weirdly am leaning to the over in this. I think that we might just see, I think we could see another, you know, massive offensive explosion from both of these teams. Yeah, certainly. I, this game's tough to cap because we haven't seen Oklahoma play anybody yet. I mean, all those, you know, those gaudy offensive numbers, well, who have they come against? So finally, they get a test here. So this, you know, there's just not not enough information for me uh, to, to have a, a strong lean on either side. So I'm with you. I would, I think I would probably lean over as well. We'll all be glued to the television, though. That should be, oh, yeah, this one will sure. be, yeah, this one will be fun as hell to watch for sure. So if you're not a, if you're not a college football guy, if you're not a college football person, Go ahead and try this one out for size. I think this one will. Uh, I think this one will do it for you. I think you will enjoy it for sure. We head into week six of the NFL. By the time you listen to this, it will likely be a Patriots win. We don't know by how much, but that game going on a little bit later tonight. So we'll just kind of skip over that one because we don't want to, uh, you know, take up your time for something that has already happened here. But looking down the slate here. For me, guys, you know, I am a I'm a big teaser player and there's not been very many opportunities over the last couple of weeks to play teasers. But you look down the slate this week and there are it is just ripe with opportunity here. You have the Bucks and Panthers sitting at two and a half uh, on that line. You have the Browns and Seahawks sitting at two. You have the Jags and Saints sitting at a point and a half. You have this uh, 
you have this uh, uh, Cowboys Jets game sitting at seven, and it's bouncing between seven and seven and a half for the Cowboys. So obviously that would be bringing it down in that one. You have the Broncos Titans sitting at two as well. Some people like to bring these games down to pickums. So you have this Charger Steelers game sitting at six and a half. So just a ton of opportunity out there for people who like to play uh, these these teaser games here. Um, Jay, I'll start with you on this. Did as you were kind of doing your initial look down the slate here, did any of those opportunities one catch your eye or two have they already made your card? Nothing yet. Again on the card, and I'm like you. I'm, I'm do various contests, so I'm evaluating the lines and and some of the movement, and we're seeing a, a number of uh, extreme interest. I, the one the one underdog that I'll definitely. Uh, is going to be the Cleveland Browns, despite Seattle taking at DraftKings right now 90% of the bets laying on the road. I know, I know the situation and uh, the Niners and, and Browns really kind of kind of screwed here, playing not only Monday night but now having to come back and play teams that played the previous Thursday. So there's a big rest advantage and preparation for the Seahawks here. But I don't think this is right. Um, we saw the Browns; everyone was kind of ruling them out. They go to Baltimore and beat them when. Uh, people thought, what's wrong with the Browns? Yeah, they played poorly Monday night against San Fran, who was off the bye and ready. But this is definitely, to me, um, home underdogs have not done well this year, surprisingly. Despite underdogs overall, I think 47-31 against the spread. Home underdogs have not done well. They're 0-3 last week, straight up against the spread. But I like see it. I like the Browns here as a teaser for sure. Pretty sure they're still going to make my card here. Um I'm not a buyer. I told this on the show, on this podcast, I think previously I'm not as sold on Seattle. And I think despite the extra advantage, that's one game that I'll definitely be teasing the Browns as a home underdog up above seven and uh, looking to play them straight as well. Yeah, this is an interesting spot for me because I actually have the Seahawks in a teaser leg because this game opened at Seahawks plus two and a half. And I went in and jumped on the Seahawks and have them as a teaser leg at plus eight and a half. And now that this has switched around to how it has switched around, I don't know. I might try to double dip this one a little bit, Brett. Um, You know, now that the Browns are, are catching two points here. Might see old, might see old Matt playing both sides here and hoping I can hit the uh, hit the <laughs> hit the middle here. But um, those are those are the spots you dream about, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, feeling feeling pretty good about uh, feeling pretty good about this. So I think that's probably something I'm going to be hitting for sure. Um, we'll get into the the full slate here, but just getting back on the the teaser stuff. Uh, you know, again, a lot of these are prime opportunities for for teaser players. Do any of these kind of pique your interest at all? Is do any of these numbers where if you had to play them straight up? Not really something that you're interested in, but if you could move that thing six points and take it through a couple te- to a couple of key numbers, that uh, it might be something you're interested in. Not, not really. I mean, it, it, some of these numbers I would actually, I actually like the other side, so there's really no need for me to, to play the the tease. I'm not a teaser guy to begin with. I mean, I, I rely on you guys for the teaser stuff, but um, nothing really jumping out at me as far as you know getting through key numbers at this point. Yeah, I think taking the Saints through the three and the seven against the Jags is a pretty good bet. I mean, I don't necessarily expect the Saints to win the game against the Jaguars. I think this is kind of a pretty decent little letdown spot here, but that Jaguars offense isn't built to blow anybody out and certainly not win by more than a touchdown there. So kind of like that spot for the Saints as well. And then this number went the opposite way that I thought it was going to do. I actually, talking about that... um, Talking about that, uh, having opened up the the teaser with the Seahawks at plus two and a half, I actually tied that to the Eagles at two and a half. I thought this thing, I thought the Eagles were going to catch money in this situation and actually has gone the other way. The Vikings are now three and a half point favorites in this. This thing has moved an entire point. Uh, now it is plus money if you want to take Vikings at, at three and a half and you got to pay some VIG if you want the Eagles at three and a half here. But I don't know, Jay, what am I what am I missing here? I missed this. I, I, I guess I misdiagnosed this one. I thought I thought the Eagles were going to once people kind of dug in here and saw how badly that Kirk Cousins has performed with uh, teams that have pass rushes. Now, I understand the secondary is not any good for the Eagles, but it's not going to matter if Kirk Cousins doesn't have any time to pass because he just panics and wets the bed and, and throws the ball up for grabs or, or, or takes sacks or whatever. I don't know. What, what am I missing here? Am I missing something in this one? 
Yeah, I think it's the injuries with the Eagles maybe in the secondary and a little overreaction to maybe the one game or a couple games Cousins had a chance to perform well and did not. But uh, maybe a reverse line movement here because the Eagles are the one underdog that's shown quite a bit of support at DraftKings, taking I think 76% of the spread bets at plus three. And so if you're seeing the Vikings, then even some juice showing on them at three or potentially to three and a half, that's a interesting move for certain. Um, right now, uh, I before I'd play that, I'd definitely really get a gauge on the Philadelphia um, injury situation because they've been banged up and the, the, you know when they when they did get beat they it showed that they're secondary but they're really strong along the offensive line and so I think I know that I, I I think if you like the total I believe this total is going to get bet down a little bit from 44 I'm not playing that either but a uh, couple other games I guess as I look at you had mentioned um, we're seeing some. Just as mentioned, Cleveland was the th- minus three on the look-ahead line going into this week. So now that's a pretty significant movement. And the Ravens were minus nine. They're up to – they showed 12. Now they're showing 11, 11 and a half in places. But that's a matchup that really um, I think is going to have some scoring and when we talk about the totals because – Right now, the Ravens lead the league in rushing, and I don't see Cincinnati being. This is going to be a one-sided attack here, um, running the ball, and then since and then the Ravens' defense is along seven yards per play, but their pass defense really poor. And Cincinnati's only strength right now is to pass the ball, so I think you're going to see both strength versus strength be able to take advantage. And this total is uh, interesting to me, and uh, definitely I've already played over the, over in that game. Brett, I want to talk to you about this Texans-Chiefs game. This is one that at some places opened as high as 8.5. There were others that opened it at 8 and 7.5. And but it is now bet all the way down to Texans plus 4 in this thing. So tons and tons of support for the Texans here against the Chiefs. My question to you is this. One, I think it would probably open too high as it was anyway, but... Um, do you think that this massive, massive movement that we've seen is people doubting the health of Patrick Mahomes, even though he decided to go to the podium and say that he's fine and don't worry about him and his ankle's okay? I think what we, I mean, we all have eyeballs, right? And we saw the second his ankle got rolled up on, he was a completely different player. When he's not able to move around and create things with his legs, not only is he less of, less dynamic of a player, but when he had time in the pocket as well, he was very inaccurate. It doesn't. It looked like that ankle was had something to do with even his accuracy as well. So, I mean, what do you think is going on with this one? I mean, typically this would look like a great stock high versus stock low spot against the Texans, unless, like you said, Mahomes isn't right. He's already without his left tackle, Eric Fisher. You got left guard, Andrew Andrew Wiley, questionable this week. He got hurt on Sunday. That's his blindside protection. And now on the defensive side, Chris Jones, the best player on that defense, is doubtful this week. He might might already be ruled out. Um I don't know. I need to see more uh, practice reports this week. For so it's a it's a stay away until we know more about some of these injuries. I mean, what's the line if Mahomes doesn't play or is like right at fifty percent? Like it's a it's a pick or the Texans are favored, right? I mean, without Mahomes, this shit these Chiefs teams is is dust. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, there has to be somebody somewhere that at least has some sort of inkling that. Not that maybe he won't play, but that that maybe this injury is a little bit more significant than they're leading on here. Because, I mean, Jay, we've seen massive movements before, but there's really nothing to there's nothing really for us to tie to for this thing to move four and a half points at some places, four points at others, three and a half at a lot at, at most of the shops here. I mean, there's no like direct line to this being that mispriced unless it was just the fact that there's, you know, something going on about about Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, we see again. There's there's a reason sometimes to be. It's okay to wait till later in the week. You wanna you wanna have the injury news and know not only the quarterbacks, which I think we're gonna have to, no no fewer than ten quarterbacks start this week again that were backups at the start of the year. So you want to get the injury reports and key key injuries, and clearly Mahomes would be a, a critical one. But um, you want to know that he's good to go. The one thing that I took note on from last week and then looking at the matchup here against Houston is the Colts set the blueprint 
blueprint on how to not only beat the Chiefs, but how to attack them last week. Um, I didn't play. A little frustrated. I knew the line was high, but I again, I was worried about injuries, and the Colts were not full strength going in. But they are one of the better running teams in the league, and they ran for 180 yards, but they ran it 45 times. So what they did is they kept the ball away from Kansas City last week. They held it for 37 minutes and, and didn't let Mahomes and the offense get on the field. So that's the blueprint. That's how you beat them. They outrushed them 180 to 36, controlled the ball clock and change. Now, Houston this week, I think, has that same potential. They don't run it for as many yards as Indianapolis. They're about 100, I think, 120 a game, but they run it at over five yards per rush. So Houston has a little more explosive passing attack. And to me, um, if I'm going to play this again, the Chiefs are maybe a little overvalued, but there's certainly been an adjustment from last week. You're not catching even a touchdown like last week. You're catching doubles. But I still think Houston is a solid enough team, and this has the highest total of the week. They're expecting scoring. I think Houston's still the side to look at. And um, definitely if you're going to play Kansas City, you want to know the situation with Mahomes for certain. And Brett, I want to bring up this last game here because I think this is another one that I've heard people kind of scratching their head about. And so if we can help them navigate here over the last couple of days before they have to have their bets in here is this Cowboys and Jets. Uh, Cowboys seven point favorites on the road over at the Jets. Sam Darnold is going to start for the Jets. That said, we do know Chris Herndon is not going to be back for them after all. C.J. Mosley is going to be out for that defense as well. Maybe a couple of offensive linemen down for the Cowboys as well. Lyle Collins and Smith as well have still not practiced as of Thursday here. Uh, Jason Garrett did say he hopes that they're going to get out on the field tomorrow, but, you know, that's hope. He is only living on hope right now. This is uh, one of the one of the games I hear a lot of buzz about. A lot of people kind of scratching their heads because it's really confusing how to cap this thing where if you had a Cowboys team at full strength, you would probably think, yeah, I mean, this is uh, probably not enough. But now, you know, the strength of this team being the offensive line and possibly being down two of those guys. How are you seeing this game? Yeah, this is why I like the Packers last week, because Dak turns into a pumpkin, a pumpkin without those two tackles. And it showed last week they, he was a disaster uh, until they were, you know, they, they the Packers kind of sat back and Dak just compiled a bunch of yards, meaning like empty yards towards the end of the game. But um, this is definitely an interesting one because, you know, we don't know what Sam Darnold is going to look like. They are getting a little healthier, but like you said, they don't have Mosley back yet. He's he's missing some weapons. So uh, this is what I'm definitely going to dig into because I I wouldn't be shocked to see any result really with this game. I wouldn't like I wouldn't be shocked to see the Cowboys win this by 20 points, but I could also see like the Jets getting to Dak and and, and winning this game. So I mean I I don't know yet. I mean it, initially I, I'm leaning Jets just because I think they're going to be much improved with Darnold, and I think you know it's it's he wasn't injured like he's not coming back from that kind of um, status. He should be okay if, if he's getting cleared. So I, I don't I know. I've like never the, had an enlarged spleen, so I don't know how you come. I don't know how you come back from that. I don't know what the uh, Jay. Do we have a doctor's report on how quarterbacks have played after coming back from enlarged spleens? Do we know what? The, is there a trend that we can go? Is there a trend that we can go and get like how a quarterback has performed after coming back from an enlarged spleen? Well, the trend that I know is that the Jets are scoring less than 10 points per game. (laughs) Their quarterback's coming back rusty, not maybe full health if he does play. And you've got a Cowboys maybe offensive line that is not uh, at its best. Um, On the road here, this total, I think, should probably be bet down. Um, Too many points to me. If I'm playing this and you want to correlate, if you like the Jets by chance, um, and I never rule out, I, 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 I don't. You know, if they have a bad game, I can I can handle that in the NFL. But what I'm looking at is key injuries, like you said, and then a quarterback trying to come back here. I think this is a less scoring than expected. And uh, if you like the correlation by chance of the Rams or the Jets, then you maybe correlate them in the under. But uh, I'm not laying seven on the road with Dallas with the with what I've seen now against better competition. Yeah, they've run over the weaker teams. But uh, like you said, some injury situations, and I think they'll be more conservative on offense this week. I'm glad to hear that because that. That is one that is in my account already. I do have the under in this one. And for everything that you just said here, I mean, the 
here's the thing is even if the offensive linemen come back in, if they have not practiced through Thursday, there's always that chance of re-injury. Brett, we see this all the time, right? These guys like try to give it a go and they go out there for one series and then they get pulled out of the game again. And as you mentioned, I mean, with this Cowboys team, if they're the, the heart and soul of this team is the offensive line, which allows them to run the ball and give Dak Prescott enough time, the time that he needs to, uh, to complete passes down the field to, you know, Gallup and Cooper. And so if the key elements of what makes the Cowboys the Cowboys is either not going to be there or certainly definitely. I mean, even at this point, we can say even if they play, they're not going to be at 100 percent. I just don't know where the score. And I think the Cowboys defense is good enough to keep this Jets team from from getting on the board, you know, often as well. So I don't know. I know 44 doesn't seem like a high total. I mean, doesn't seem like a uh, a, a, a high total or anything like that. I mean, but uh I could see this being kind of an ugly, gross, just back and forth kind of crap fest. Yeah, I'm with you guys. And this Jets defense hasn't been bad. It's definitely been their strength here in, in the early, early going. I think they rank they ranked in the top half of the league right now, according to Pro Football Focus. So, um, yeah, if you're going to go one direction, I would I would certainly say the under is the way to go. Tell us what's going on over at the lines and play picks for our listeners here. I'll tell you what, we're, we're getting ready for NBA. Uh, it's less than two weeks away. I've said it before. I'm really excited about this season, more excited than I have been in years. Like I was actually watching preseason NBA last night while there were playoff baseball games going on. <laughs> I've never done that before. So we're getting ready. We've got some cool stuff coming at the lines during the season. Uh, our power rankings were launching this week. So Nate White's will be ranking all 30 teams, comparing them to where the books have them in futures markets. Always a fun exercise there if, you, if you're looking for uh, some arbitrage opportunities or just looking for some value in futures markets and also seeing where money is coming in there and kind of measuring how, you know, the – the possibilities of some of these teams actually winning an NBA title versus where they are uh, in the in you know in the in the markets, and of course we'll have Chris Sheridan covering all things NBA during the the season. Uh, we'll, we'll have to bring him on the pod here in the next couple of weeks to get his take on uh, what to expect, who he likes, who he doesn't like. I know he loves digging for value. We talked a little bit about that earlier. Uh, some some long shots. I know I'm sure he's got some that he's playing this year. So uh, we'll talk to him. But in addition to the NBA ramping up, we've got the usual NFL stuff. Uh, always be on the lookout for Jay's trends to light on fire. Uh, I'm sure he'll have some good ones coming to you either today or on Friday. And Jay, this is just, uh, you know, kind of an underrated time of the year right here. I mean, we have college football entering the meat of the season. We're starting to figure out who these NFL teams are. So they're getting a little bit of identity for us. We have the baseball playoffs going on. Hockey just started. Basketball starts here in a couple of weeks and we still have golf going on as well. I think this this time of year is a little bit underrated. I know we talk a lot about the spring when, of course, it's 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 incredibly awesome. You've got NBA and hockey, you know, playoffs going on. You have the Masters. You've got all the things like that. But uh, right now it's pretty interesting as well. It's my favorite time right now with everything coming. The the basketball season starting from a football perspective, you got a lot more stats to analyze and gear into. Love being in Vegas at this time of year with the weather, and uh, uh, plenty, plenty to look forward to as well as with the hockey. So this time of year is exciting, and with regards to opportunities in the sports betting landscape, there really hasn't been more. You're going to see more and more opportunities in the prop market and in-game and so much to take advantage of. And it's a lot to handle when you're not only betting the games, but if you're handicapping and digging and there's a lot to to go on and you try to specialize as best you can, but there's some uh, exciting opportunities moving forward. And this time of year is, I think, one of the best. And Brett, that's one of the things we'll do. We'll endeavor to do on the podcast moving forward is maybe get in some of these guys that specialize in props as well i mean you and i one of the things that playing uh higher stakes daily fantasy has done well for me just in the prop market because one of the basically the thing that you're doing in that method of gambling is you're just trying to predict essentially single player performance right and and so when these lines are set a lot of times the sports books don't have time i mean you know there's i'm looking on I'm looking on DraftKings right now at an NFL game, and there's literally you know 150 different ways that you can bet this game in, in in various forms and fashions. And so, it's always going to be the spread and total that is the sharpest, and, it, and everything from there on is just going to decline. And so, I think if people want to try and make money in you know the NFL specifically, 
trying to look a little bit more into these props and seeing if you can find inefficiencies here and there is certainly a way that you can probably uh, boost your bankroll a little bit. Yeah, and and the books know. I mean, the the, the books want to offer as much as they can, but they know that the, the you know the most the most value that a better is going to find is in these props because there are inefficiencies, and that's why that's why they have caps and limits on some of these props. But you know, if you want to if you want to really dive in, I'm sure there's money to be made uh, over the course of the whole season. Guys, we appreciate you listening again. As always, we are on Apple, we are on Google, we're on Spotify and Stitcher as well. Follow us on Twitter. It's at the Lions US, at PlayPix US. I'm at Matt Brown M2, at Fairway J, and at Brett Colson as well. We appreciate you guys being here. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah.